0: We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5. I wonder if it's a coincidence that we made uh, an announcement of a name tonight or whether there's more to it, whether God is unfolding his purposes for us to see. Because in November last year, in November 2017, I sat down and decided on 10 talks from Matthew 21 to 28, and nine talks from 1 Peter. And I wrote the dates in my diary, and so today's date, the 1st of July, has next to it 1 Peter chapter 5. So today, seven months later, we come to Peter's important teaching on leadership and membership, and it aligns perfectly with an announcement of a possible new minister. I suspect that God has our future safely in hand. Praise him, our all-knowing, all-loving king. So I can see that most of you have already turned to page 1,891. So um, let's have a look at 1 Peter chapter 5, what Peter has to say to us. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud... But shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who was in Babylon, chosen together with you, sent you her greetings, and so too does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come to you eager to be taught, eager to be shown a a new way, a better way. We want to be able to follow you as you have designed us. So please encounter us now through your word, by your spirit so that we might move deeper into our love of you, that we might stand firmer in our relationship with you, that we might know you, that we might bow before you and give you the glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've done it. Congratulations on your perseverance in suffering. We've made it to the end of 1 Peter. You remember that at the start we looked at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 and the last three verses of chapter 5. And I suggested that chapter 5 verse 12 was a bit of an interpretive key. Peter writes, I have written to you briefly encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. Peter wants us to see that all that he has crammed into this letter is evidence of God's grace. Yes, all of it. The suffering and glory, the faith, hope and love, the opposition, the challenges and the trials, all are evidence of God's grace. His unearned, undeserved favour and love. And this is why... He begins in chapter 1 verse 2 with grace and peace in abundance. He has the two bookends of grace. He knows it is what all refugees crave for. He knows it's what we all crave for, grace and peace in abundance. So how as a church will we respond to God's awkward, challenging, disturbing grace? What is the way forward for us in 2018 and beyond? In our specific context, what are we to look for in our current leadership and the new leader that God seems to be calling? And just as importantly, what should we be looking for in ourselves? Peter here gives us clear advice regarding leaders and ourselves as members. Firstly, how should we assess church leaders? Peter highlights four aspects for us. Elders should be striving to grow in Christlikeness. Elders should be striving to be shepherds of God's flock. Elders should be seeking to grow as servants. And elders are to set humble examples. So let's look at the leaders, look at how they should be growing in Christ's likeness. In verse 1, Peter seems to suggest that the elders share in Christ's suffering. That is, they are too to live out the pattern of Jesus' life with growing integrity. In other words, more and more living out life, the life for which they've been cut out. In both trials and joys, when people are looking and not looking, they are to be increasingly striving to imitate Jesus. Now, of course, growing in Christ-likeness, fitting Jesus' pattern, seeking to bring glory to God, even in the face of unjust suffering, is the purpose for all. The purpose for all who have been redeemed. Our leaders should be taking us in that direction with them, increasingly displaying true, humble, joyful, perseverant love. Our elders, as recipients of God's grace, should be sharing God's grace. And likewise, we, as individual recipients of God's grace, should be sharing God's grace. Leaders are also to be growing as shepherds. Peter, the fisherman, who was called to be a fisher of men, likens the leader's role to shepherding. Now, as far as I know, Peter previously had no experience in shepherding whatsoever. But he had been shepherded by the best. The shepherd image is not one that should surprise us. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, Amos and others were shepherds. It is the dominant leadership image in the Bible with Jesus of course being the good shepherd and here described by Peter as the chief shepherd. So again, leaders are to follow Jesus' pattern caring for the flock caring for the lost one Even though there may be 99 others in their flock, if one wanders away, they will seek it out. Because all are valuable. Each one is precious. These carers are to be strong, and yet at the same time, gentle and loving. Here is one of Isaiah's pictures of Jesus in Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11. See, the Sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. His recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. So he comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. But how does he display that power? With that same arm, he gathers them, he holds them close to his heart. And if we look at Jesus' actions as he moves towards the cross, and as he goes on the cross, we can see this one of great power Embracing us close with his powerful arms, his power that he displays in weakness. Please pray for Murray, Justin, Pete, Dean, and I that we might have bigger hearts and stronger love so that we can be more like Jesus, so we can help you, care for you, help you to grow. In that same love. Leaders need to be growing in eagerness to serve. We should always be on the lookout in the church for servant leadership. In that picture there you see a very memorable moment In Jesus' life where he, the night before he was betrayed, he bows down and washes the feet of his disciples. What extravagant love and service, washing the feet of Peter the denier. Washing the feet of Judas the betrayer. As it says in verse 2 here, We should be looking for a willingness to serve. We should be demonstrating a willingness to serve. Not for gain, not for status, not for approval, not for applause. But as God wants, an eagerness to represent him well. Naturally, this doesn't mean that our leaders do it all for us. It doesn't mean that they alone are the servants. No, no, no. We want our leaders to teach us to serve so that together we can serve well. Some of you will know Elan from the morning congregation. Elan has two children, Zeke and Evie. Each time Elan is rostered on to welcome, he gets Evie and Zeke to help him out. He shares with them the joy of serving the whole community. Our leaders are to teach us how to serve, so that we can follow more closely the pattern of Jesus, thus loving one another deeply from the heart, so that we can be better equipped to love each other as we have seen through our. 1 Peter, to love at full stretch. Seeking to love each other beyond where we've loved before. Growing in Christlikeness, growing as shepherds, growing as servants, all require us to be growing in humility. A willingness to acknowledge that there is a greater leader. Acknowledging That is not primarily about us, but about another. About the Chief Shepherd, our Lord Jesus, who has given us his all. The selection Committee had many reasons for commending the person who has been named earlier. And again, I encourage you to, to talk to them personally. For me, one of the clinches was evidence indicating that in recent years... He has grown in humility. And he has acknowledged his ongoing need and his ongoing desire for God to continue this work of grace within him. I don't know about you, but I still tend to make my life more about my plans, my feelings, my desires, my expectations. I'm still tempted to assess the good day whether it pleased me rather than whether I pleased God and was loving towards others. We need God's grace so that we might descend into greatness, grow in humility and depend on the love of God. I need to develop better strategies of daily repentance. And I suspect we all do. So when Peter moves his focus from the leadership of the church uh, to the members of the church his first port of call is humility. This is what we need to be on the lookout for in our own lives. All of you Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Just as we dress ourselves daily, so we have to seek to clothe ourselves with humility. For this to take hold and to grow, we need not only to practice daily humility towards one another, but to humble ourselves, submit ourselves, bow in reverent fear before almighty God who loves us, who has wedded to us, who will lift us up. Growing humility, growing dependence upon God is the key to healthy leadership and the key to healthy discipleship. Because it is the centrepiece of the pattern of Jesus that we are called to follow. It begins with developing a pattern of daily repentance. Again, daily turning to and acknowledging God. Acknowledging that He is Lord and we are not. Daily seeking His grace to grow despite our weaknesses, our willfulness and our failings so that we might be more like Jesus. In turn, this will enable us to grow as non-anxious followers of Jesus. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We cannot cast our anxiety on him without turning to him, without acknowledging that he has all things in his hands and nothing escapes his gaze. Worry is foolishness. Let me tell you, worry is foolishness. Worry says, I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't. Forgetting that God says, I can, I can, I can because I am, I am. Our God is I am. He was in eternity past. He is with us in this moment and every moment. And he will be our sufficiency forever. And our great I am God is also love. He cares about you. He cares about all of you and each of you cares about your struggles cares about your suffering I am with you It's the resounding promise that comes through the Bible I am with you and in Jesus God declares I am for you Cast all your cares, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As you know, this letter draws me back again and again to the Matthew series we had in term one. Peter needed to be told things again and again and again. Like all Peters, he's a bit of a rockhead. And he still failed to understand. Peter knows that you and I are cut out of the same fabric, the same material. And he reminds us for a final time that we are to be alert followers, alert followers of Jesus. Be alert and of sober mind, be on guard. So we saw that first in chapter 1, verse 13. We are to be alert so that we can set our hope on grace. Be alert so that we can set our hope on grace. In chapter 4, verse 7, we are to be alert so that we can pray. And here in chapter 5, verse 8, be alert because there is an enemy. So be alert so your focus is on grace be alert so that you can pray and by doing both of those things you can confront the enemy we need to be on the lookout with constant readiness and vigilance because life isn't easy it was dangerous for these fledgling Christians in Asia Minor and it's dangerous for us as well It can be dangerous if we choose slumber rather than vigilance. It can be dangerous if we choose our wisdom rather than God's. It can be dangerous if we choose our own righteousness other than Christ's. There is an enemy, but he is no match for the Lord Almighty. Turn to him. He cares for you. Resist temptation. Resist peer pressure. Resist doing evil. Resist turning back. Resist drifting away. And all of this will enable us to be steadfast followers. Standing firm in the faith. Now notice that this process is being worked at at both ends. It's being worked at by us, but also worked at by God. God. If we are steadfast, if we are choosing God's way and standing firm in faith, if we are choosing to do what God wants us to do, if we're relying on God, the God of all grace, then he will help us to be strong. He will help us to stand firm. He will help us to be steadfast. If you choose to stand firm, God will equip you by his grace... And so complete the good work that He has begun in you. Grace leads to grace, which leads to greater grace. Stand firm, setting your hope on grace, so that you can pray, so that you can stand firm. These early Christians and us are all refugees. We're all like the refugees, people who are homeless, people who are empty-handed. And if we come to God looking for what we can't earn or deserve, if we come to him looking for grace, we will not be denied. Have a look at verse 10. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. The God of grace, the God of all grace, will restore you. Ken Newton is now restored. Restored in body, mind and spirit. He is with his Lord Jesus. Yesterday he was a frail man. Today, he has been restored. In verse 12, come back to where we began and where we will finish. I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. This is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. It is so important that leaders in the church are growing in Christ-likeness, are growing as shepherds, growing as servants, growing in humility. And likewise, it's so important that we as members are humble followers, non-anxious followers, growing to be more alert followers, growing to be steadfast followers. But we must remember we cannot do any of this in our own strength, in our own way. Rather, in all things, we must follow and rely upon Jesus, the true grace of God, the true grace of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you For this epistle written so many hundreds of years ago. We thank you that your word still speaks today. Please Father, help us to be people who are growing. Growing to be more like your son. Please help us to move so that we are not stagnant. Please help us to grow in love. For we pray in Jesus name. Amen.